0: a better way forward. There are three reasons to choose our progressive modern treatment program. One, a more sophisticated intake process. Two, technology proven to enhance recovery. And three, the most robust aftercare program in our sector. To learn more, visit us at safehouserehab.com. Season 13, episode 12. We entitled this, Don't Tell Me I'm a Sex Addict Too. They say, who who are they, by the way, that if you scratch an alcoholic, you'll reveal other addictions besides alcohol. Even in AA, the book says that alcohol is but part of a deeper problem. By itself, drinking and getting insanely drunk was a disruptive force, but all it did was either disguise or reveal deeper flaws in our character. One of my AA friends says about himself, but it's true for all alcoholics, that he's just a big baby trying to grow up. I say about myself that I am an infantile personality who doesn't want to be held accountable for anything to anybody. I drank to escape, as did other alcoholics. I drank because I didn't like the way reality felt. I didn't like to feel emotions, so I buried them, stuffed them. I was afraid of real feelings, and I was afraid that if you knew how I felt about me, you wouldn't like me anymore. Scratch an alcoholic and you will find, as he or she peels each layer of the onion, and sometimes that takes years, that other addictive-type disorders reveal themselves. Drug addiction is the most common secondary addiction for an alcoholic, whether it's marijuana or opiates. Codependency is universal in the families of addicts and alcoholics. Spending and debting. We acted as big shots and threw our money around. There's debtors anonymous for that. But one that shocks many addicts and alcoholics and their families is the revelation, perhaps years into their own sobriety, is this. Something happens to rock the boat like a business failure, and man seeks comfort in the arms of a woman, not his wife. He then wants to see more and more and more of her, and before he knows it, he cannot simply cannot live without her. He thinks about her all the time, deceives his wife, spends money he cannot afford to spend, as he and his wife are doing okay, but just okay. He exposes himself to an STD, to being found out, to divorce, to hurting his loved ones, to financial ruin. He knows this thing he is doing can only end in pain. But he cannot stop, doesn't even want to stop, and loves the intrigue and romance and plotting and risk that go with this adventure. Then a friend of his in AA mentions that he, his friend, is a member of SLAA, Sex and Love Anonymous. Are you kidding me? There's a 12-step recovery group for sex and love addicts. His AA friend gently explains that he, his friend, was able to get sexually sober in the program and was able to avoid the worst of the consequences. The man of whom we speak suddenly realizes that he is powerless over his sex and love addiction that his life has become unmanageable. He realizes that he has built his whole lifestyle around being with this other woman, or he decides he wants more than just one woman. And he has, in the meantime, ignored the really important people in his life. Innocent people who simply love him and want to be with him. But as the song goes, he's not there. Even when he is physically present, he's not there. He is emotionally unavailable. He's actually lonely and has low self-esteem because there's shame, shame involved. If I speak for a moment in the we person, the following is a paraphrased version of what one would find in the SLAA handbook. Quote, sometimes we were seeking to screen the world with all its demands and responsibilities out of our awareness by mesmerizing ourselves with sexual activity. Don't you love the word mesmerize? Doesn't it sound like a hypnotic and compelling force? Sometimes we were trying to deaden the load of guilt and frustration by taking romantic or sexual holidays. We were trying somehow to fill the emptiness within us with another person. Or we were masking the fear of commitment but all of us were using our sexual powers and emotional investments to either lessen pain or augment pleasure. The occasional pleasurable daydream grew into a constant obsession that destroyed our ability to concentrate on more ordinary and more important things. This may be taking place even if we have abstained from alcohol or drugs for decades. Something happens to disrupt our balance, or perhaps there was an underlying anger with life the things were not going our way at all that set us up for a sexual distraction of major proportion. You walk into a pool hall and decide to ask one of the bar girls, she's just a waitress, not a hooker, if she's married, and then when you learn she's single, you tell her she is beautiful, and off you go, just like that. You may be married and love your wife, but so what? You lie easily. She never questions where you are, because she trusts you so completely, and for some strange reason, you don't even feel guilty, even though you know you are. Unrelenting, the imperiousness with which our sexual and romantic interludes or absorption in a relationship now forced themselves upon us led to prolonged bondage to our sexual and emotional needs. This became a real, undeniable craving. Obsession and compulsion were now our masters. This meant that the choice did not reside with us or within us. We had lost control, regardless of whether we admitted it to ourselves or not. It turns out that the heat of addictive passion ultimately cannot deliver that formerly reliable, thoroughly engrossing sexual and emotional return. The utter futility of going on under the sway of our sex and love addiction was finally becoming clear. It was no longer worth the risk and the deceit and the guilt and the shame. Yet for a few of us lucky ones, the terror of being further devoured by our sex and love addiction brought us to a point of unconditional surrender. We decided we had to stop. Now we began to confront the second aspect of powerlessness. The paradox that surrender to the impossibility of control is the beginning of recovery. Our lack of success in managing our addiction, our loss of control, had become an established fact. We had experienced over and over the mind-altering effect, which had sapped the strength of our resolve to liberate ourselves from sex and love addiction. Thus, we approached the prospect of surrendering our sex and love addiction with real humility, for we had no way of knowing if such a surrender was even possible. In truth, we were powerless over an addictive pattern, of which any current specific circumstance was just the most recent example. The difference between the 12-step program of Sex and Love Addicts Anonymous is that each person gets to identify what they consider to be bottom-line behaviors, bottom line. They constitute indicators or a risk of a return to addictive acting out with the object of lust. These include pornography, texting, or video calls, or even a return to actual sexual behavior. The prelude to behaviors including the plotting and intrigue that accompany the ultimate acting out are included here. But sex and love addicts surrender is not just the actions that point to addiction. It means ultimately being ready to be free of an entire life strategy of obsession with and pursuit of love and sex. The SLAA Handbook states that the proof that our surrender was indeed unconditional was that we now refrain, one day at a time, from every form of bottom-line behavior we saw as part of our addictive pattern. When you are finally free, you find that you have been expending a huge amount of energy just feeding the addiction. And now you're unleashed! to invest your time creatively, honestly, and productively in pursuits that are far less selfish and far more loving toward others. This is a hard one to swallow for many people. What, me, a sex and love addict? Take another look at your life pattern. Tell me if you obsess over sex or sex disguised as love and romance. Tell me if you haven't used sex as a drug to ease your pain or escape from the real world. You might just be on your way. You don't just wake up as an addict turns out that alcoholics and addicts will come into contact with a true sex and love addict at a recovery meeting. This person may mention that sex and love addiction is part of his or her addictive repertoire. My guess is that over 90% of sex and love addicts who come into the 12-step recovery program known as Sex Addicts Anonymous or Sex and Love Addicts Anonymous come in from Alcoholics Anonymous, Narcotics Anonymous, and a few more from Codependents Anonymous. So what have we learned from this discussion? We've learned that, one, sex and love addiction are as real as any other behavior that is out of control and causes harm. Two, what is different is that each person gets to define what constitutes his or her bottom line actions that define addictive behavior. Three, it's impossible to wake up and become a sex and love addict just like that. It takes often years of behaving in a certain pattern that involves obsession and acting out. Four, it is only by complete surrender of one's powerlessness over the addiction that recovery can begin. And five, and finally, once liberated from the grip of the addiction, one can invest time once wasted selfishly on creative, now on creative and altruistic pursuits. Our podcast is sponsored by safehouserehab.com, a modern approach to recovery. To learn more, visit us at safehouserehab.com.